When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Silver and Black Flashback with your host, author of the Raiders Encyclopedia, Rich Schmelter. Thanks so much to my friend Murph. And thank you, Raider Nation, for returning to another episode of Silver and Black Flashback. And what a show we have for you today. It's Super Bowl Sunday, 1976 style and our Raiders are ready to take the final step toward their first-ever world championship at a time when avocado-colored kitchen appliances and shag carpeting were popular. No kidding, folks. Well, enough of the interior design, 1970s style. Back to our story. Are you ready? Hell yeah, you are. So sit back, relax, get the Super Bowl snacks ready, And it's off we go for part four of Silver and Black Flashbacks, tribute to the 1976 Raiders. The Raiders had finally broken through and reached pro football's ultimate showdown after nine seasons of heartbreaking near misses. So as game day grew near, the Silver and Black were involved in an intense contest of softball with a rolled-up wad of adhesive tape on the same field that they would be playing on the following day for the World Championship. Now, some might look at this display as a team not focused, while those close to the pulse of this incredible collection of renegades saw it as being ready after hard work and practice and film studies. They were extremely prepared, loose, and confident that the task at hand would be just a 60-minute formality, and at its end, they would be crowned supreme rulers over the pro football world. The Raiders' opponents for this 11th edition of Super Bowl Sunday were the Minnesota Vikings, who, like the Raiders, were plagued by much heartache in postseason encounters. This proved to be Minnesota's fourth trip to the Super Bowl in eight seasons and their third trip in the last four seasons. Each of their previous visits to the big show ended in disaster, with the Vikings totally outclassed and demoralized. However, like an aging prizefighter, Refusing to stay down on the canvas after a beating, the Vikings returned in an attempt to finally be called champions. The 1976 Minnesota Vikings were an aging team with many key personnel well into their 30s, and they were all veterans of the team's past failures in Super Bowl competition. They banded together to dispel all the talk of them being over the hill by winning the NFC Central Division for the eighth time in nine years with an 11-2-1 record. One month shy of his 37th birthday, Pro Bowl quarterback Fran Tarkington led a good offensive attack that scored a league-ranked ninth place with 305 points. 
Tarkington helped Minnesota rank fourth overall in passing yards with 2,961 yards through the air. He threw for 17 touchdown passes and only eight interceptions for a 61.9% completion rating. Helping to make Minnesota a well-balanced offensive attack was fourth-year veteran running back Chuck Foreman. Foreman was a multi-thread back who could run and catch with the best of them. He finished with 1,155 rushing yards and 13 touchdowns. He also added a team-leading 55 receptions for an additional 567 yards and one touchdown to add to his illustrious pro resume. Veteran Ahmad Rashad and rookie sensation Sammy White led the wide receivers with 104 catches between them. Rashad caught 53 passes for 671 yards and three touchdowns, while White hauled in 51 and led the league in receiving yards with 906 and touchdowns with 10. Over on the defensive side of the ball, the Vikings in their feared and highly respected Purple People Eater defense ate up opposing ball carries and quarterbacks for many years together, spitting out the battered carcasses at a steady pace. This season was no exception, as the aged but highly effective unit led the NFC in fewest points allowed with 176 and posted an overall league ranking of second in that category. They also led the league in fewest yards allowed passing and for touchdowns through the air. An awesome comment appeared in the Los Angeles Times, posted by the great sports writer Jim Murray, who wrote that the Vikings played football like guys laying carpeting, while the Raiders played like guys jumping through skylights with machine guns. Mother Nature decided to be kind to the pro football world on Super Bowl Sunday, January 9, 1977, as the temperatures in beautiful California were at 74 degrees with sunny skies above, as the 3.30 Eastern Standard Time kickoff approached with 103,438 in attendance inside the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. Sitting high atop the Rose Bowl to call the action to millions of television viewers on the NBC network was one of the medium's most highly respected play-by-play announcers of all time, Kurt Gowdy. And with Kurt Gowdy was former Dallas Cowboys quarterback and colorful color commentator, Jeff and Hazel's baby boy himself, Dandy Don Meredith. In the voice of the Raiders, the legendary Bill King was set to call the game across the radio airways. There was no singing of the national anthem prior to kickoff. Instead, recording artist Vicki Carr sang America the Beautiful. Referee Jim Tunney met with team captains for the coin toss, and the Raiders' special teams captain Warren Bankston won the toss, and the Raiders elected to receive the opening kickoff. Now, all that stood in the way of the silver and black hoisting the Lombardi Trophy were 60 minutes of controlled violence staged against their opponents from the North Star State. Kicker Fred Cox led the Minnesota Special Teams Unit onto the field and placed the ball on the tee while Oakland's white-jerseyed Raiders awaited his kickoff to officially begin Super Bowl XI, pitting the top-ranked teams from both conferences. Now, this was the first time in Super Bowl history that that occurred. This was also the final time in Super Bowl history that both place kickers used a straight-on kicking style. Cox's right foot met the ball and sent it airborne into the California sky and into the awaiting arms of Carl Garrett on the Oakland 11, who advanced the ball 23 yards to give the Raiders good field position to begin the game. Ken Stabler led the offense onto the field with at least three plays in his mind for the opening series. By the time he entered the huddle, 
Snake decided on a simple, straight-ahead running play to get the first contact out of the way. He sent Clarence Davis off left tackle for a gain of one and followed that with a call for Mark Van Egan off the same spot for a gain of four yards. On third down, the Vikings brought in an extra defensive back in anticipation of a pass play. Once Stabler saw this, he knew that his all-pro tight end Dave Casper would be covered by linebacker Matt Blair in man-to-man coverage, while the extra defensive back would be busy watching the speedster Cliff Branch and the crafty Fred Belitnikoff. Stabler took advantage of Blair covering Casper in a mismatch and hit his tight end for a gain of 25 yards, and that got the ball into Minnesota territory at the 38. Stabler returned to the running attack, and Davis picked up four yards on first down. Snake then decided to run Davis behind the great wall of protection to the left, created by Gene Upshaw, Art Shell, and Dave Casper. Shell and Casper took out Minnesota's stellar defensive end Jim Marshall. Mark Van Egan led Davis through the hole, keying on any linebacker that came up, and right guard George Bueller pulled in front of Davis to pick up any other opposition. The result was a great gain of 20 yards that got the Raiders to the Minnesota 12. The Vikings then stiffened. Carl Garrett was dropped for a loss of one, and a pass intended for Casper fell incomplete to bring up a third and 11 situation. With everyone across the world expecting a pass, Stabler went for the opposite in an attempt to catch Minnesota off guard. It did not work out well, as Pete Banasak was stopped after gaining two yards off the left side by Wally Hilgenberg to bring up fourth down. Earl Mann came in to attempt what looked to be a chip shot field goal attempt from 29 yards out, but his kick went wide to keep the game scoreless with just under 12 minutes left in the opening quarter. The Oakland defense made quick work of the Minnesota offense on their first possession. The main offensive weapon for the Vikings, Chuck Foreman, was the focal point in Minnesota's first attempt at moving the ball. Fran Tarkington started things off with a five-yard pass to Foreman, which was followed by the multi-threat running back gaining one yard up the middle. Tarkington went back to the air on third down, but a pass intended for Foreman fell incomplete with George Hitman Atkinson in on the coverage. Neil Claybo sent a 46-yard punt to Neil Colsey, who returned at six yards to the Oakland 19. Stabler went to the conservative route on Oakland's next possession. Three straight running plays gained 12 yards, with Davis getting four, Van Egan five, and Banaszak three. With a new set of downs, Stabler went to the air and connected with the legendary Fred Belitnikoff for the first time for a gain of nine yards. Banaszak was then stopped for no gain in an attempt to pick up a first down, and Davis then lost a yard on third down. Ray Guy came on to punt the Raiders out of trouble by getting off a whopping 51-yard punt that Leonard Willis returned six yards before Hubie Ginn brought him down at the Minnesota 16. Minnesota opened up this offensive series with Chuck Foreman catching a 16-yard pass from Tarkington on first down. Minnesota was only able to muster three more yards on this drive thanks to tackles made by Phil Villapiano on Brent McClanahan after a gain of two and on Foreman after a one-yard pickup. Claybo got off a 39-yard punt that Colsey did not return. From the Oakland 26, Stabler sent Van Egan up the middle on a carry that gained three yards. A pass attempt to Belitnikoff then fell incomplete, and Davis was stopped after a gain of five yards off the left side in an attempt to pick up a first down. Guy came on to punt for the second time in the game on fourth and two from the Oakland 34. 
At the snap, Minnesota's Fred McNeil jumped to the outside of the man set to block him. This allowed him a clear path to Guy from the left side. He then had the honor of becoming the first player to ever block a Ray Guy punt in the pro ranks. The ball shot up in the air, landed on the Oakland 7 as Bobby Bryant attempted to get his hands on it. McNeil then came in on the scene and pounced on the ball at the three-yard line. After the past few possessions of both teams feeling out each other, the Vikings now had a golden opportunity to draw first blood and establish a huge amount of momentum with five minutes and two seconds left in the opening quarter. Who else but Chuck Foreman would the Vikings call on in this situation? He got the ball on first down, but was stopped by nose tackle Charles Filia after a gain of one. Tarkington decided to give McClanahan an opportunity to score a Super Bowl touchdown on the next play, and as the running back looked for a crack of daylight up the middle, he was hit hard by Villapiano, and the ball popped out on the three-yard line and was recovered by Willie Hall to get the Raiders out of a major jam. Stabler looked to capitalize on this twist of faith. Pinned deep in his own territory, he decided to play it conservative with two straight runs by Banasak that gained three yards. On third and seven, Stabler stayed on the ground, but this time it paid off with huge dividends. The Raiders' offensive line was establishing their dominance over Minnesota's right side, consisting of greats Jim Marshall, Alan Page, and Wally Hilgenberg, and Stabler seized the opportunity to take advantage of this. Gene Upshaw, Art Shell, and Dave Casper were such a powerful blocking trio that virtually no one could pierce their wall of flesh. On this day, they played even above their own expectations of being the greatest offensive line in history. With Upshaw pushing Page to the inside and Shell shoving Marshall to the outside, while Casper took on whoever got in his path, and Van Egan wiped out Hilgenberg as he came up to fill the hole. This allowed Clarence Davis the ability to roam free through 11 purple-clad defenders almost at will. On third down from the Oakland 7, Davis took Stabler's handoff, swept to the left side, and took off on a 35-yard run. On the day, Davis ran for 137 yards, with 105 of those yards coming on different variations of that play run behind Upshaw, Shell, and Casper, and with Van Egan leading him out of the backfield. During the season, Van Egan was the go-to runner in Oakland's attack, but on this day, he was used primarily for his blocking expertise. However, he did manage to pound out 73 rushing yards on 18 carries. With a new set of downs and major breathing room from the Oakland 41, Stabler went to the air. He connected with Carl Garrett for 11 to get the Raiders into Minnesota territory at the 48. A deep pass to Belintnikoff was incomplete, but Stabler followed that with a 25-yard hookup to Casper on the Minnesota 23. Stabler sent Van Egan off left tackle for a gain of five, and Davis up the middle for four more. On the final play of the first quarter, Banasak moved the chains with a six-yard run off left tackle that allowed the Raiders the chance to start the second quarter with a first and goal from the Minnesota 8 as the game remained scoreless. Pete Banasak began the second quarter with a run off left tackle that picked up one yard. Two incomplete passes from Kent Stabler intended for Dave Casper brought up fourth down. Errol Mann then redeemed himself from his earlier miss by connecting on a 24-yard field goal that completed a 12-play, 90-yard drive that took 5 minutes and 23 seconds off the clock and gave our Raiders a 3-0 lead in Super Bowl XI. 
Ray Guy kicked off to Leonard Willis, who received the ball on the Minnesota 8 and brought the ball out 18 yards before Floyd Rice brought him down. The Raider defense once again made quick work of the Vikings. A Tarkington pass attempt to Sammy White went incomplete, and two runs by Foreman gained a total of six yards before Claybo punted the ball away on fourth down. His 32-yard kick was downed on the Oakland 36 to give possession back to the Silver and Black. Stabler now looked to open the offense up in an attempt to cool down his always emotional head coach, John Madden, who was so upset by the fact that the Raiders should have been up by at least 14 points instead of just by a mere three. A pass to Cliff Branch gained eight yards on first down, and Mark Van Egan quickly gave the Raiders a new set of downs with a gain of three up the middle, and Clarence Davis scampered for six more around the right end. Stabler then hit Branch on a two-yard pass and Casper for 19 more yards and another first down. Stabler returned to the ground attack with Carl Garrett getting the call on three straight plays. He ran to the left for 13, up the middle for four, and to the right for three. On third and three from the Minnesota 8, Stabler surprised the Vikings with a perfect sideline pass to Belintnikoff for a gain of five that got the ball to the one-yard line. Once again geared up to stop a running surge into the end zone, the Vikings were fooled when Stabler rolled to his left and hit a wide-open Dave Casper in the end zone for the game's first touchdown. Casper's one-yard scoring grab climaxed a 10-play, 64-yard drive, and following Mann's extra point, the Raiders were up 10 to nothing, with 7 minutes and 10 seconds left in the first half. Guy's ensuing kickoff was received by Willis on the Minnesota 5, and he returned it 20 yards before Herb McMath stopped him. Foreman got the call to open the series and ran for 7 yards off right tackle. He then picked up 6 yards on the following play, but fumbled after Monty Johnson hit him. The ball was recovered by teammate Sammy White, but a holding penalty on offensive tackle Ron Yerry took the Vikings back 10 yards. Two incomplete pass attempts brought up fourth down, and Claybo punted away to Neil Colsey, who returned the ball 25 yards to give the Oakland offense great field position at the Minnesota 35. This Oakland possession began with Clarence Davis gaining five yards up the middle. A three-yard run by Van Egan off left tackle was followed by another run from the talented fullback. This time, Van Egan powered his way up the middle for a gain of nine yards and a first down at the Minnesota 18. When the Raiders came back to the huddle to plan their continued onslaught over the hapless Vikings, Stabler looked to call a pass play. He turned to Belintnikoff, and the crafty old veteran stated that he wanted a ball thrown down the middle. Snake obliged his future Hall of Fame teammate by calling far 99 right, post 10 flat. At the snap, Belintnikoff took off the line, bolted up the middle, and headed toward the end zone. Minnesota safety Nate Wright was right behind Belitnikoff, so Stabler decided to throw the ball where only his man could get to it. Belitnikoff resembled a baseball player sliding into a base as he made a great catch of a perfect pass at the one, while defensive back Jeff Wright sailed over the top of him and with Nate Wright right on him. With the Raiders in a power formation, Pete Banasak took Stabler's handoff and ran behind a George Bueller block off the right side of the line to finish off his one-yard touchdown run. This five-play, 35-yard drive took two minutes and 20 seconds off the clock, and despite Errol Mann's missing of the extra point try, the Raiders were in total command of this Super Bowl with a 16-0 lead with three minutes and 33 seconds remaining in the first half. 
Guy's kickoff went to Willis on the Minnesota 6, and he returned it 19 yards before McMath brought him down. The Vikings were still attempting to get Chuck Foreman going, despite Oakland completely shutting him down for the most part. On first down, Tarkington connected with him on a 5-yard pass, and two straight running plays by Foreman gained 10 yards. Another 5-yard connection from Tarkington to Foreman, plus a holding penalty on the Raiders, gave the Minnesota Vikings an automatic first down on their own 45. Tarkington then connected with Ahmad Rashad for a gain of 7 yards, and then he tried to go to the talented rookie Sammy White on the next two plays, but Jack Tatum and Skip Thomas were right on the receiver to stop any opportunity of him catching the ball. On fourth down, Claybo's punt sailed 42 yards and was downed at the Oakland 6 with 1 minute and 42 seconds remaining in the first half. Mark Van Egan opened up this Oakland possession with a gain of 11 yards up the middle. He then ran for two yards off the left side and tried again on another run up the middle, but this time without any success, as Hall of Famer Alan Page dropped him for no gain. On third and eight, Davis swept the left side for three yards, and Guy came in on fourth down. His punt sailed 41 yards to Willis, who did not have a chance to advance the ball due to Floyd Rice being right on him when he touched the ball. To make matters worse for Minnesota, they were called for a clipping penalty that took them back to their own 22-yard line. With seven seconds remaining in the first half, Chuck Foreman finally got an opportunity to showcase his talents. He caught a pass from Tarkington as his back was turned toward the Oakland defense. After turning around, he shifted his feet from side to side and spun around to avoid linebacker Willie Hall. He got by Ted Hendricks and Phil Villapiano before Tatum and Monty Johnson finally stopped him after a gain of 26 yards. The Raiders went into the locker room for the halftime celebration with a commanding 16-0 lead and a dominant showing, which saw them gain 288 yards of total offense to just a mere 86 for Minnesota. For the fourth straight time in their Super Bowl history, the Minnesota Vikings were held scoreless in the first half. As the teams went into their locker rooms for the halftime festivities, the Raiders were totally dominating the Vikings. They took away Minnesota's running game by shutting down Foreman most of the time with a swarming defense. And their most dangerous receiver, Sammy White, was held without a catch thanks to the great coverage of Skip Dr. Death Thomas. The incredible Oakland offensive line was overpowering the Minnesota defense Clarence Davis was running at will, and Fred Belitnikoff was able to come up with big catches to help set up his teammates. The second half got underway with Ray Guy kicking off to Sammy White on the Minnesota 8. The rookie sensation returned the ball 15 yards before Morris Bradshaw tackled him. Starting off the second half from the Minnesota 23, Foreman ran for three yards up the middle. Tarkington was still looking to connect with his top receiver, but a second down pass attempt to Sammy White was broken up by Skip Thomas. The Vikings managed to show some signs of life when Tarkington found running back Robert Miller with a pass that gained 13 yards. After that, it was business as usual for the Oakland defense as they first stopped White after a gain of seven on a reverse and held Miller to one yard and then ended Minnesota's possession when Phil Villapiano broke up a pass intended for Miller on third and one. Clable's punt on fourth down was downed on the Oakland 16. It was now very apparent that the halftime intermission did nothing to slow the Raiders' dominance on their quest for football's grandest prize. Ken Stabler opened the Raiders' first possession of the second half by throwing to Cliff Branch, 
but the pass was broken up by Bobby Bryant. Mark Van Egan carried up the middle for six yards, and Davis picked up a first down on a draw play up the middle that gained 13. A seven-yard run by Van Egan was followed by two gains of one yard apiece off left tackle by Davis and Banasek, which forced a fourth down in one situation. Ray Guy came on and got off a 38-yard punt that Willis returned eight yards to the Oakland 44. Three straight running plays off right tackle by Foreman generated nine yards, and the Vikings were once again forced to punt. Claybo's 31-yard kick was returned 12 yards by Colsey to the Minnesota 35. A seven-yard run by Van Egan off right tackle started Oakland's next series. Davis attacked the Vikings with an 18-yard pickup to give the Raiders a first down on the Minnesota 29. Oakland hit a few snags when Van Egan was dropped for a loss of four yards and a Stabler to Bolitnikoff pass attempt in the end zone fell incomplete. Stabler got Oakland 10 yards closer with a pass to Cliff Branch before Mann was called on on fourth and four to salvage the drive. Mann then added three more points onto Oakland's total with a 40-yard field goal that capped off a five-play, 31-yard drive and gave the Raiders a 19-0 lead with five minutes and 16 seconds remaining in the third quarter. Guy's ensuing kickoff went to Sammy White on the Minnesota 6, and he returned the ball 26 yards before Carl Garrett ended the rookie's jaunt on the 32. The only chance Minnesota now had at this juncture was Tarkington's right arm. With time obviously not on their side, the Vikings needed three touchdowns quickly. With his running game still being stuffed, Tarkington and the Minnesota offense had a throw on virtually every down. The Raiders knew this and looked to tee off on the veteran signal caller and his receivers. Skip Thomas broke up his first pass attempt intended for Foreman. Dave Rowe then swatted away Tarkington's next throw, and Otis Sistrunk did his part by hitting the quarterback as he threw on third down. The pass fell incomplete, and Claybo was back on the field to return possession back over to the Raiders with a punt. Claybo's punt traveled 37 yards and out of bounds. However, Ted Hendricks was penalized for roughing the kicker, and the Vikings were awarded five yards and an automatic first down on their own 37. With a second chance to salvage this drive, Foreman ran for one yard before Tarkington connected for 15 yards to tight end Stu Voigt. After being sacked for a loss of four by Phil Villapiano, Tarkington completed a pass to Foreman that gained three yards. The Raiders were called for holding on this play, and this infraction gave Minnesota five yards and an automatic first down on the Oakland 47. Tarkington and Rashad hooked up on a 21-yard pass and catch, and Foreman ran up the middle for four more yards. A pass to Sammy White in the end zone fell incomplete before Foreman ran for three yards off left tackle and then caught a swing pass for 10 more yards. From the Oakland 8-yard line, Tarkington looked to Sammy White in the end zone, and the rookie finally snagged his first reception of the day to complete the 12-play, 68-yard drive with 47 seconds left in the third quarter. Fred Cox added the extra point, and Oakland's lead was cut to 19-7. Cox then kicked off to Carl Garrett, who advanced the ball 24 yards before being stopped by Miller on the Oakland 38. The Vikings seemed inspired by their recent touchdown and came to life as Alan Page broke through Oakland's incredible offensive line and sacked Stabler for a loss of 11 yards. This was the first time all game that Stabler lost yardage. 
A three-yard run off left tackle by Van Egan got the ball to the 30-yard line as the third quarter went into the record books. The final 15 minutes of Super Bowl XI began with Clarence Davis pounding out yardage around the left end, but he was still two yards shy of a first down, and Ray Guy came on and got off a 32-yard punt that was downed at the Minnesota 22. Skip Thomas was the main man of the Oakland defense on three of Minnesota's first four plays of their next possession. He broke up a pass intended for Miller across the middle, and after Miller ran for three yards, Thomas tackled White after a 14-yard pickup on a pass from Tarkington. Dr. Death then nailed Miller for a loss of two yards on the following play. Sammy Johnson ran for one yard up the middle, and Tarkington went looking for White on third and 11. White went across the middle and caught Tarkington's pass on the Oakland 44. After the catch, White was destroyed by a Jack Tatum hit. The assassin blasted White with a ferocious blow to the head that knocked the receiver's helmet off and sent him straight to the ground. It was a bone-jarring blast that left White dazed. However, despite the incredible hit, White managed somehow to hold on to the ball. With four linebackers and just as many defensive backs, the Oakland defense brutalized Minnesota's receivers throughout this game. Tatum's hit was just the crown jewel of all the punishment dished out by a secondary consisting of the assassin, hitman, Dr. Death, and the leader of this devastating unit, Willie Brown. After the severe blow to White, Tarkington returned to the air and found Stu Voigt for a gain of nine yards. Foreman tried a run on second down, but just like throughout this game, he could not get off a good run from scrimmage. This time, he was dropped for a loss of two by Monty Johnson. On third and three from the Oakland 37, Tarkington was pressured out of the pocket by Ted Hendricks. He scrambled to his left to avoid Hendricks's hot pursuit, looking for any receiver in the open. With Hendricks coming in fast from his right and Dave Pear rushing in on him head-on, Tarkington unleashed the pass in the direction of Foreman at the Oakland 30. Willie Hall read the play, intercepted the pass, and returned it 16 yards to the Oakland 46. The Raiders were now in a position to play the game one of two ways. They could either play it conservatively and run the clock off, or they could attack and leave the Vikings totally demoralized. They chose the latter. From their own 46, Van Egan gained a yard up the middle, and Davis picked up three off the left side. It was now time to go for Minnesota's jugular vein. Snake Stabler called a deep pattern to Belitnikoff, who caught the ball without anyone covering him. The blown coverage allowed the Raider legend to run 48 yards down to the two-yard line before Bryant caught him and dragged him down. On the next play, Pete Banasak powered over right tackle for his second touchdown of the game. Banasak's touchdown was the unofficial end to the game, even though there was still 7 minutes and 39 seconds remaining to be played. Banasak took the ball he crossed over the goal line with and heaved it into the stands in celebration. This quick four-play, 54-yard drive was topped off by Mann's extra point, which gave the Raiders an insurmountable 26-7 advantage. Guy's ensuing kickoff was taken by Sammy White on the Minnesota 13, and he returned it 19 yards. Tarkington then went to the air on every play during this drive, and it proved costly. A swing pass to Miller started things off with a pickup of three. A sideline pass intended for Foreman fell incomplete. Tarkington then connected with Stu Voigt for 12 yards before his next pass was batted down by Dave Rowe. 
Tarkington's final completion of the game came on this next play and covered 25 yards to Rashad. On first down from the Oakland 28, Tarkington looked to his left and fired a pass towards Sammy White. Willie Brown read the play perfectly, intercepted the ball on the 25, and then raced untouched to complete a 75-yard touchdown. Man's extra point attempt went wide, but no one on the Oakland sideline even gave a damn as the silver and black were up 32-7 with 5 minutes and 43 seconds remaining. The celebration was beginning to gain serious momentum along the Oakland sideline, and even John Madden was starting to believe that his name was about to be added to the roll call of Super Bowl winning head coaches. Guy's ensuing kickoff was returned 19 yards to the Minnesota 27 by Sammy White. Bob Lee replaced Fran Tarkington at this stage at quarterback, and he did not have any luck either against the relentless Oakland defense. Lee's first pass was broken up by George Atkinson, and his second one only went for a gain of five to Miller. On third down, Lee ran for four yards, and then Foreman was stopped on fourth and one for no gain by Monty Johnson. Oakland took over on downs at the Minnesota 36. A pickup of five yards by Van Egan around the left end, was followed up by Hubie Ginn, wrapping off nine yards off a left tackle hole. Mike Ray, who replaced Ken Stabler on this possession, was sacked for a loss of six yards. A three-yard run by Van Egan up the middle, and an 11-yard pickup by Ray brought up fourth and two. The Raiders decided not to punt, and Ginn attempted to bowl up the gut, but was stopped for no gain with one minute and 56 seconds remaining. Minnesota had nothing left but pride, and looked to put together one final drive that ended on a positive note. Connecting on five passes, with two going to White and three to Sammy Johnson, Bob Lee moved the Vikings to the Oakland 13. From there, Lee found his tight end, Stu Voigt, for the touchdown with 25 seconds left to complete the nine-play 86-yard drive. Fred Cox added the extra point, and the game was now a 32-14 affair. Cox attempted an onside kick that Mike Ciani recovered on the Minnesota 48. The final play of Super Bowl XI occurred as Mike Ray knelt down for a loss of two yards as the game clock showed no time remaining. Fred Belitnikoff, the old master who suffered through so many heartbreaking playoff losses, was named the game's most valuable player after catching four passes for 79 yards, which helped put Oakland in excellent scoring position. Ken Stabler finished this game with a same near perfection that he displayed all season long by connecting on 12 of 19 pass attempts for 180 yards and one touchdown. John Matuzak and Ted Hendricks had the honor of hoisting their head coach, John Madden, up on their shoulders for the greatest victory ride of this mentor's career. A short time later, Madden was on the podium in the winning locker room, sharing the joy with Al Davis, who accepted the first Vince Lombardi trophy in team history. It was a long trek for the Raiders that climaxed with them perched on top of the NFL summit. Well, there you have it, Raider Nation, our beloved Raiders' first taste of ultimate championship glory. And remember, we still have two more Super Bowl winning seasons to cover on future episodes of Flashback. As always, Thank you so much for listening, and always remember my passion for the Raiders and every one of my fellow silver and black brothers and sisters is summed up by the three words I love to say, and they are, love your Raider Nation!